The enemy wants to cut off your head and leave you with feelings. With every blessing, there is a battle. The enemy would not send that level of battle against you if there were not that level of blessing before you. If you're up under attack, there's something to be gained. Love yourself. Believe in yourself. Love yourself. Believe in yourself. Independent of the validation of the world. Have opinions and feelings about yourself. Independent of the feedback. Why you got to have somebody calling you beautiful every day in order for you to feel beautiful? Do you believe that you're beautiful? Or do you only believe you're beautiful when other people say that you're beautiful? I love me. So the day that you decide to stop loving me, I'm not going to love myself any less. I believe in me. If you stop believing in me, I'm not going to believe in myself any less. If you believe that I'm irrelevant, that no one is checking for me, and that I don't mean anything to the world, because you think or believe that about me, it doesn't believe, it doesn't mean that I'm going to believe it about myself. See, the day that you start living your life according to everybody else's opinion is the beginning of the end. Our faith is not really tested until God asks us to bear what seems unbearable, to do what seems unreasonable, and to expect what seems impossible. D.L. Moody, if God is your partner, make your plans big, and impossible. A storm in your life can destroy you or it can develop you. It can build your strength, your wisdom, your knowledge, your understanding, your commitment, your devotion, your faith, your serenity, your peace, your joy in your life. That is, some storms, when God gets through working them into our life, we're just so much better off. We're cleaner, we're purer, there's more peace, there's more joy because you know you're in the center of the will of God. So sometimes they develop us, sometimes they destroy us. He doesn't want a storm to destroy us. And the truth is only when we allow Satan to get a grip on us in the times of difficulty will it happen. All kinds of storms come and they come in different seasons in life. But what I like about life is God says that as long as the earth endures, there'll be seed time and harvest and cold and heat and summer and winter, and there'll be day and night, and these will never cease. God as long as the earth remains, there will be seed time and harvest time. There will be some dark nights, but there will be days coming afterward. There will be winter, it'll be cold, but I promise you, he says, there will be summer. Some of you are in the season of plenty right now. Others broke. But let me tell you something about seasons. If you broke now, I guarantee you can't be broke forever. In other words, seasons are controlled by God. That makes me very comfortable. Because whether it is raining or sunshine, God is in control. Ecclesiastes 3 says, To everything there is a season, and to every purpose there is only a time under heaven. In other words, everything is seasonal. That means that no matter what you go through, it cannot last. Seasons are important because seasons guarantee change. Seasons give hope. Nothing remains the same in a season. Seasons are always temporary. And the key to life is outlasting the season. In other words, seasons are always moving and never respond permanently to a temporary problem. 
what I've discovered is that the mind is a battlefield. And most of life's battles are won or lost in your mind. The more I've studied scripture, and the more I've even looked at what neuroscience would say, most of life's battles are won or lost in the mind. That the life we have so often is a reflection of the thoughts that we think. What we think determines who we become. In other words, if you tend to think, I can't do something, I'll never be able to do something, I don't have what it takes. If you think you can't, you probably won't. If you think you can, by the grace of God, you probably will. And the enemy always has some sort of tool or memory or situation that he uses to terrify you, even though the good times are here and, and, and the dream is there, the blessing is there and the goodness is there. But there's always this haunting, nagging, defiance that says, don't you relax. You're not worth it. You don't deserve it. And it's not going to last because everything else went away. Maybe this will go away too. We talk about faith for bad times, but, but you also need faith in good times to actually believe the goodness of God is not going anywhere. To silence the voices that keep saying you'll never make it. You're about to lose everything. Fear gets in your heart. You can change your outcome, but you have to stop talking to yourself the way you do. Because if you continue to talk to yourself the way you do, you will always be where you've always been. It is what you say within yourself that heals you. Yes. You see those voices that say what you can't do, what you can't have, what you can't be, what's not going to last, what's not going to work, is how the enemy pulverizes the promises of God in your life. To talk back to those voices shuts the enemy down. The pressure I was going through, I was causing because the pressure I was going through was coming from the things that I allowed to reverberate in my head. And I'm wondering if there are things echoing in your head right now that are stopping you from living your best life because you will not silence them by speaking back. If you're going to live in peace, it's not going to happen by accident. Every day we have opportunities to get upset, to be offended, to live worried. Life happens. People get on your nerves unexpected bills, a family member's in the hospital. If you wait for all your circumstances to calm down, then you're going to have peace. Then you're going to stop worrying. You'll be waiting your whole life. God never promised that he would keep us from difficulties. He never said that we wouldn't have storms, but he did say he would give us peace in the midst of the storms. He calls it a peace that passes understanding. That means despite what's going on around you, you still have peace. And the scripture says, cast your cares on the Lord. You have to learn to turn it over to God. You weren't designed to carry that heavy load. It will frustrate you. Here's the key. When you rest, God goes to work and say, God, I trust you. My life is in your hands. I'm not gonna worry. I'm not gonna live stressed. You have this all figured out, so I'm going to be still and know that you are God. That's when God goes to work. Take the problem off the throne 
and put God back up on the throne. If you're talking more about your problem than you are about God, you have the wrong thing on the throne. Don't go another five years letting worry rob you of your joy, rob you of your peace. Put your foot down and say, that's it. This is a new day. No more worrying for me. I'm going to guard my mind. I'm going to stay by the still waters. I'm going to live from a place of peace. Remember, when you rest, God goes to work. We're always walking toward the dawn of a new day. When you and I are walking through the darkness, we're always walking toward the dawn of a new day. Because my friend, God loves us. He's always, he's always moving us toward the dawn. And no matter where you are and what you're going through today, there is light. Listen, there is a dawn. There is going to be a new day. God's going to bring you through it no matter what. It may be tough right now. You think, God, how am I going to be able to stand this? He's going to enable you. He will enable us. And sometimes it's a day at a time. And somebody may say, well, how do you stand this one day at a time? We learn more in the darkness, but we're always moving toward the light. You see, that's why you and I don't ever have to give up. If God has said, here's what I'm going to do, you can rest your eternal life on the fact that God, in all of His sovereign power, everything in heaven is behind the promise of God. He will make it a living reality no matter what. He will do what He promised to do. And you know what? That means that no matter what's going on, how much darkness we walk through, there's always light. Always light out there somewhere. God will bring us through all of that. I don't know where you are in your walk with the Lord. I don't know what kind of darkness is covering you. Maybe financial darkness, relational darkness, family darkness, all kinds of darkness that we all have to deal with in life. I don't know what it is, but this much I know. If you're a child of God, He's with you in it. He has a purpose. He's only going to allow you in that darkness to accomplish His purpose. When it's accomplished, He'll bring you out of it. If you will listen carefully and act wisely, you'll learn things in the darkness. You're not going to learn any other way. There is a light. There is a dawn. There is a new day. You'll come, you can come out of it. And you will come out of it. And not only that, when you come out, you should come out praising Him, thanking Him declaring to others the greatness of God, the dependability of God, the faithfulness of God, the love of God to provide for you so abundantly. You don't give up because your God is not going to give up on you. He's not going to give up on you no matter what. But here's the thing that makes it difficult. When you're going through one of those dark moments and you don't see any end in sight and it looks like it's going to last the rest of your life, it looks like you're going to be penalized the rest of your life. It looks like you're never going to be able to reach those goals. Somehow, it's just, it just seems to be so hopeless. It's never hopeless as long as you have God. Because God loves you. And He's going to work out His will in your life one way or the other if you'll just trust Him. God will do in your life things that you never dreamed if you'll just trust Him through those dark moments. Now, the reason why most people are ineffective in life and actually fail at life and actually don't enjoy life is because they've never learned how to fight the battle of the mind. The power of your mind, the power of your thoughts has tremendous ability to shape your life for good or for bad. And if you accept the thought, 
If growing up somebody said to you, you're worthless, you're no good, you don't matter, you're ugly, you're uncoordinated, if you accepted that fact, whether it was right or wrong, it shaped your life. And it doesn't even have to be true. If you believe it, it's going to shape your life. And a lot of you were taught things as a kid about you that just weren't true. And years later, you're still acting on false information. Be transformed by changing the way you think because my thoughts control my life. Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. God is far more interested in changing your mind than in changing your circumstances. We want God to change our circumstances. We want him to take away all the problems, all the pain, all the sorrow, all the suffering, all the sickness, all the sadness. And God says, yeah, yeah, I know that's important, but really more important than that is what's happening in you. And I'm far more interested in changing your mind before we change your circumstance. Because nothing happens in your life until you get the renewing of your mind. No transformation takes place. No change takes place in your mind. You and me shout at the people who get up every morning with a heart full of grief. And it comes out in their speech, and it comes out in that snappy way they confront you. And you think they're mean, they're not really mean, they're still grieving. How long? How long does it take to get over a person? How long will you put your future on hold, mulling over your past? How long I came to get somebody unstuck? I came to get somebody free. You cannot spend your rest of your life grieving over who didn't love you, who wasn't there for you. You're stuck. God did not create you to be stuck with a heart full of grief. That's why you can't fall in love. It's not that there's nobody to love. It's that you haven't gotten over who you used to love. How long will you be angry? How long will you keep checking their Facebook page? How long will you keep investigating somebody who's not even thinking about you anymore? How long will you mourn around the tomb of what didn't work out? There are some times in your life that you gotta get up, wash your face, go on with your life. Life is too short for grieving over who didn't want you, who left you, the job you didn't get, the house that you didn't close on. Hello! I don't know who I'm preaching to. You are not yourself. You were not created for this. You were not created to be stuck like this. God wants your nerves and cells and bones and muscles to move. Somebody shout, move. I will not spend the rest of my life hanging around the cemetery of what could have been, what ought to have been. Haters, when you get haters, you know, people's opinion of you is none of your business. I have lots of haters. They on the internet all the time. But who are they though? They don't even know me. People who are haters on the internet, I call them thumb gangsters. They just typing Their little punk got a private page. They saying but they don't even know me. So I don't, I don't give them no energy. 
I give haters no energy. Steve ain't this, he think he this. You don't even know me. If people can understand that as long as they don't forgive, they're poisoning themselves. It's like hating somebody who's hurt you is like taking poison hoping they'll die. It's like me being mad at somebody who hurt me that's out having a good time and don't even care that I'm mad. That doesn't hurt them. No. And so maybe this husband's been gone 20 years and he's been having a good time in life and you know he's married again and, and whatever and he couldn't care less that she's mad. It's, it's, it's pointless. It's like, okay, you hurt me, but now if I'm gonna hate you, then I'm letting you continue to hurt me. And have control in my life. And you're controlling my life and I'm not gonna do that. But John, I think the other part of this is, and I think this is very important, I think a lot of people want to forgive, but they don't know how to do it. And so, as I've pondered this, studied it, prayed about it, the things that I feel like I've learned from God is this. First of all, to, to do anything, you need to do it the way God tells you to do it. And so, he said, several different places in the Bible, that you pray for your enemies. So first of all, are you praying for people that have hurt you? Well, what do you pray? I mean, we're like, well, I don't really want them to be blessed. I'm not going to pray for them to be blessed. God, don't bless those people. <laughs> but the truth is, is really, I mean, you can take somebody that's really hurt you and ask God to bless them. And the first thing he's going to bless them with is revelation of what they've done. Because they can't really have a right relationship with him if they don't admit what they've done and come to a place of truth in their life. God desires truth in the inner being was what King David said after his shenanigans with, with Bathsheba, and he went a whole year without confessing his sin, I guess making all kinds of excuses for it. Then in Psalm 51, the great prayer that he prayed, he said, you desire truth in the inner being. So every person, before they can have a right relationship with God, they have to face the truth. You can't get to where you need to be if you don't face the truth about where you're at. And so for forgiveness, I don't think you can ever walk through. I can decide I'm going to forgive somebody, but I can't walk it out in my life if there's not some things that I realize. First of all, God's not asking me to feel differently about them. He's asking me to pray, to bless and not curse, which if you study that, it means to speak, to speak well of instead of evil of. So I need to stop talking about them in an unkind way. Change your vocabulary. Change your vocabulary. So when I talk about what my dad did to me, I don't do it to put him down. I do it to help other people. So if I'm talking about it with a good motive, that's one thing. But if I'm talking about it just to be talking about it. And out of your own pain. And out of my own pain yeah. and out of my own bitterness, then that's another story. Now, that doesn't mean you can't go get counseling if you need it or something like that. But bless your enemies and do not curse them. How many times do we read that don't even have a clue what it's talking about? So. I pray for you, I pray that God will bless you, I pray you'll be saved, I, I pray that God will open your eyes, you know, I, I pray in obedience to God. And I mean, I've even prayed and said, you know, God, I don't really want you to bless them, but you told me to pray for that, so I'm going to... And, God, and God's not uncomfortable with that I, prayer. I, I'm going to pray in obedience anyway, and then I make a decision <laughs> to stop talking about them. And then I, so I, I decide what I'm going to do, I pray, I trust. And then even if I still feel like I'm angry, I don't say, well, I haven't forgiven because I still feel this way. I say, God, I've done my part. Now your part is to change how I feel. And so 
An example that I can think of, if you want to take this a little bit further, there was somebody that I went to church with one time that hurt me really, really, really bad. I mean, really bad. I won't get into the details, but one night we were in church and the pastor did what pastors love to do. We'll go and hug somebody and tell them you love them. So I turn, the first person I see is her, and I'm thinking, ain't no way, I'm gonna, no way am I hugging you and telling you yeah. I love you. Yeah. And But I knew in the pit of my gut that that's what God wanted me to do. Okay, well, I didn't want to. I didn't feel like it. But you can still do in obedience to God what he tells you to do, even if you don't want to and you don't feel like it. And those are the things really, I think, that break the enemy's power off of us. When no matter how we feel, we will go and obey God anyway. Yeah. So I just, I just keep going through. And But then I'll tell you something too. Haters motivate me. Because when they're talking about me, that means I'm doing something. If you have no haters, if you don't have any haters, there's it's times I felt like giving up. I mean, no matter who you are, if you have a goal in life, everybody has a turn back moment. Everybody has a crossroad. If, if you haven't been at it, it's coming. You can either decide to continue or to quit. To go forward or to go back. You're going to always have that decision. But what I did was I made all of my dreams bigger than my fears. So when I felt like quitting, the results would have been devastating to the goal I was trying to attain. See, I was so sick of being poor. My motivation was I was just exhausted from poverty. I, 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 couldn't, I couldn't do this no more. I was sick of living in my car. I've been living in my car for three years. I was sick of not having money. I was sick of not having a bathroom, a front door. And so for me to quit, and see, that's what people do. People quit when it's at their hardest moment. But if it's at your hardest moment, why would you quit? Somebody sent me a plaque one time that said, if you're going through hell, why stop there? I mean, think about it. If you're going through hell, why stop there? You're in hell. Move, keep going. And I just could not see myself not being successful. And so since I was already at my lowest point, how much lower can I go? I figured if I quit, I'd go lower than that. I didn't need that. So I just, you know, but my faith, my mother being a...